amazing stories, and the purpose of this podcast is to collect those stories from the people that live there. Where We Landed is a podcast that recognizes our whole history told by the individuals that live and love this small Indiana community. I am excited to um, have the opportunity to introduce Liz Wright today. I got the uh, opportunity to get to know her a little bit when I worked at the United Way, and she came to run the Senior Center here in the community and um, really enjoyed partnering with her over that time frame. And we've had her brother on the podcast, and he recommended that we have her on as well. So this is her opportunity for a little bit of payback. So... Um, <laughs> Um, Liz, I'm excited for today's uh, podcast with you. And um, we always start our podcast with how did you land here in Grant County? So how did life for you in Grant County start? Well, it actually started when I was an infant. <laughs> <laughs> my mother uh, actually had, my mother and father lived in Gas City. Okay. And she actually drove to Kokomo for all four of her children to be born because she took nursing training at St. Joe Hospital in Kokomo. So she wanted to make sure all of her children were born in that hospital. Oh, very cool. So we were all four born in Kokomo and then driven back home to Gas <laughs> City. And we grew up in Gas City. Okay. And... So it was uh, a neat, neat experience growing up as a child in Gas City. What? Where are you in the order of children? Second, only girl. Ah, oh. uh, mm. the princess. Yeah. Yes, I got everything <laughs> I wanted according to my brothers. <laughs> right. I was going to say, is I, that true though? <laughs> I was spoiled rotten. <laughs> And they got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and that was okay with me. Of course. You know, so uh, actually we had a good relationship growing up. So how did your parents then come to be in Gas City? Was it for work or? Well, actually my mother was from Gas City. Okay. Her parents uh, lived in Gas City. They, um, uh, my grandfather migrated from, um, he was Dutch, my grandmother was Irish, and they migrated there. And um, on my father's side, my grandmother was French and my grandfather was German, and they were both immigrants. So all four of my grandparents were immigrants to the United States, and my mother met my father in Kokomo when she was in nursing school and he had a bar in Kokomo and they went on a blind date on St. Patrick's Day mm. and he proposed to her and they were married in November after meeting each other. Oh, wow. So, and then uh, my father was um, enlisted in the army uh, was called up actually was drafted into the army and so he went away to war and my mother followed somewhat at beginning when during a training and stuff but then she ended up coming back home to gas city and she worked at the va and um, then when he 
got out of the service, they settled there in Gas City. So that's how we came to live in Gas City. Graduated from Missinawa? Oh, yes, of course. (laughs) And then I went on to St. Francis in Fort Wayne, and my father became ill, so I had to come home and run the family business in Gas City because I was the only one that was 21 and available to work. (laughs) So I ran my father's bar, unbeknownst to me, how to run a bar, and I learned real quickly. (laughs) (laughs) What was the name? Schrader's. Okay. Yeah, it was on the corner of 1st and Main in Gas City. So until he improved health-wise, I ran the bar with the understanding that he made me promise I would go back and finish college one day, which I did do. So why did you get your degree in? Business administration. So, um, but then got married, moved to Marion, was still in the bar business, actually grew that business to three bars. And then that relationship ended and, um, I got into real estate, eventually became um, the uh, executive director of the executive officer of the Board of Realtors here in Grant County. Okay. So I was working in that position when I was offered the position of the Community Foundation. So I went into that and was there for 21 years and then retired did not like the retirement. <laughs> not for you. No. Three. What was it? I was going to say, what was it about retirement that you didn't like? Because, I mean, I'm only f- in yeah. my early 40s. It looks and really I'm appealing to me right now. real excited about retirement. <laughs> it, when you're in a, involved on a regular basis in a lot of activity, mm-hmm. inactivity doesn't come easy. Mm. It just, you you know, I read like 300 books in three years. It was just like, okay, I can't read anymore. I'm going cross-eyed, you know, it just, it was just not enough to keep me active. I still stayed active and I'm still on the same boards. I'm on the Grant County Sheriff's Merit Board. And then I'm also on the um, Alcohol and Alcohol Beverage Commission. Okay. So, and um, I also help the assessor's office. So, so talk to us a little bit about um, selling real estate. I don't really know much about that, and I had no idea that that was in your past. Oh, I sold real estate. I'm trying to think how many years before I, I sold real estate for maybe. I'm trying to think, count numbers, maybe. Eight years, yeah, and um, got into appraisals and the whole works, and uh, enjoyed doing that. And then some people that I was actually representing them in business, the Marcasellis, I did appraisals for them for the banks and stuff. And uh, they had a, a business called the FBI, and um, they needed someone to step in and manage it for them. So they talked me into doing that. So I managed the FBI for three years, making it on a more profitable level. What type and of business then, is that? 
Food and Booze Incorporated. Okay. I was going to say, I was like, all right. I'm going to need more context. I love the fact that it was Food and Booze. Food and Booze Incorporated. You don't know that. You were too little. Too young. I guess so. So, yeah, it it's where the ice house was. Okay. okay. It became, eventually became the ice house. Okay. But back then it was Food and Booze Incorporated. Okay. So it was a fun name. It was a fun establishment. So Thanks. we had uh, music. It was, it was a, a lively place. And then the Jacksons bought it and they had it, I think, for maybe two, two or three years. And then, of course, Steve Rosley bought it. Okay. And kind of became the ice, ice house. house then. Okay. So a little history there on the growth of that. Okay. So, so it was like a, it was like a tavern. Well, a- actually it was more like a upscale dining. Okay. Okay. Then, a, then okay. I, I wouldn't classify it as a tavern. Okay. Per se. It's not, it wasn't like folkies at all. So. Okay. <laughs> 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 um. Okay, so we'll get back to the taverns, I'm sure. I wanted to uh, touch on your time at the Community Foundation. Mm -hmm. A couple questions that I have there. How did you go from what you were doing? How were you, were you recruited to the Community Foundation or were you involved in the form? I I mean, I know that it was this, you were the first executive director, correct? No, no, no. No? no, no. Oh. Third. Oh, okay. this is news to me. Yeah. So yeah. tell us about how you got involved with the Community Foundation. Well, I knew about the foundation because I was active in, in the chamber. Okay. And being active in the chamber actually ties you into the business world of the county. Right. And uh, what's going on, you know, who's, who's who and all of that good stuff. And um, I was the executive officer, the board of realtors at the time, I became that, that's what I went into after we sold the Food and Booze Incorporated, the uh-huh. FBI. <laughs> I, they contacted me, the board of realtors contacted me and said, since you're not selling real estate, how about being okay. someone that will help in the real estate field? And I said, sure, I'll do that. So I took over that position and <coughs> I was at a rotary meeting and back then rotary was a huge thing here in grant county they had two clubs one the downtown club and the other the the north uh, north rotary and there were like you'd go to it's not surprising to have a hundred people at a meeting Mm -hmm. i mean that's when it was really big so being in rotary I was contacted by Dave Raby, who was in Rotary, and he asked me if I thought about switching jobs. <laughs> and I said, well, not necessarily. Why? And he said, well, they were looking for someone to take over as the executive director of the Community Foundation, and he thought I'd be a good fit. And I said, okay. So I interviewed for the position. And... Chuck Ulsterholt was the director at okay. one point. And so they he left that position and they were looking for someone. I interviewed and also Dave Wilson was the other individual that interviewed and he got the position. 
I didn't get it on the first interview. Well, it wasn't a good fit for him. And he lasted, I think, one or two months. Mm. And they came back and asked me, I was their second choice. Would I take the position? And I remember I said, yes, if you'll pay me what you were paying Dave. (laughs) Because Mm -hmm. I knew being a woman in business, oftentimes women were not getting the same pay as a man because they felt she was usually married and had a husband that helped support her. Mm. So back then, that was just the way things worked. So I said, yes, if I can have all of his benefits and his salary that you were paying him, I'll take the job. And they did. Good for you. So Good for you. What year was that? That Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Like, oh, <laughs> 91. Okay. 91. Yeah. 91. And so, and when, how old was the Community Foundation at the time? Started in 84. Okay. Yeah. So, so still fairly young. It was fairly young. I know we had 30,000 in total assets back then when I started. And um, Larry Myers used to say, you know, he said those first few years we started out with Liz there, we, we kind of debated on whether to pay the utilities or pay her. Mm-hmm. And he said, that's how rough it was at the beginning, you know, getting people to understand the concept. And um, we kind of did a, I like to call it the road show, where we went around and contacted every nonprofit, met with them, contacted every school system, universities, in the schools and talk them into setting a fund up. And it was, I think, the best thing that we could have done at the time because what benefited us was Lily's gift program mm-hmm. was phenomenal. It allowed us to match gifts and to grow the foundation. So it really made a big difference in the community. And it's helped make a strong community foundation. And Indiana is a unique state in that we've had Lily that has this real passion around the community foundation and the United Way. I know the reason, part of the reason why the United Way has a fund at the community foundation is because Lily put funding in the community foundation for the United Way in a way to support and really give back to both organizations. And so we're unique in the country for having so many community foundations in United Ways because of that organization. They help booster both yeah. And, yeah. It, and, it, and explain the concept. And yeah. I know I've talked to people and I always like to say that the United Way is the checking account of the community and the community foundation is a savings account of the community. Hmm. So, mm-hmm. When people say, well, what's the difference? You know, they'll say, yep. why, why should we give to you? Or, you know, and I said, well, you actually should give to both because yep. you need current needs are being met and future needs are being met. So they work together. Yep. And it's a good relationship. And that's why I reached out to United Way back when I was at the Community Foundation. We housed the United Way under our roof mm-hmm. for a while there. Yep. And it worked out great. Yep. So you retired from the Community Foundation. Mm-hmm. So you started, they had 30,000 in assets. What did they have when you retired 21 years later? 
I think it was around 12, 13 million. So awesome. So it was very successful tenure at, yeah. at the foundation. And it was, it was a learning curve, not only for us at the foundation, but for the community, you know, mm-hmm. to, and it, it always, um, we were so pleased that a family had respect for the foundation that they would mention in the obituary that the gifts could be made. And that was another thing that prior to my tenure there, you didn't see that. Mm-hmm. You didn't see, and it didn't even, to me, it didn't matter if it was to the community foundation or to any charitable purpose in the community. Mm-hmm. I always liked that happening. But I think what happened with a lot of people being educated, they made their gift through the community foundation for a charity because they knew it was for future. Mm-hmm. And it was to help that charity be in existence forever by having the permanence of an endowed gift there at the community foundation. So, so you retired from there, read for three years, mm-hmm. and then decided <laughs> to enter the workforce. <laughs> yeah. So what what moved that transition? Because I'm fascinated by people that retire to not retire. <laughs> well. I, I love the what Jennifer Elaine Riefler used when she said she's graduating. She's graduating. So you yeah. graduated from the Community Foundation, and, and now you're at the Senior Center. So, yes. Yeah. And I really like the fact that um, they were in need of uh, a different approach. Mm-hmm. Carolyn did a wonderful job there, mm-hmm. but in all fairness – when the foundation or when the senior center started, it had governmental support. Mm-hmm. The county played a big role as well. Uh, I can remember Oral Gottschalk. I remember when they started there at the senior center, and Earl Gottschalk was the main key public figure that actually pushed people to think about having that and to get that rolling. And the county and the city both paid considerable support over the years to the senior center. But the county pulled out, I'm not quite sure what year, but I know the year that I started there, which was 2015, the city pulled out. So the first year I started, we were 30000 in the hole for operations and so forth because of no government support. So I, in my mind, set a goal of three years to break even, but it actually took four years and we broke even, which is a huge accomplishment and great for our community because the community supported us and allowed us to break even. But then COVID came and so we went 30,000 in the hole again. So then last year, it was just a fantastic year, and we were way, way to the good. And thankfully so, because then this year, with inflation, <laughs> gas prices, food costs doubling, 
we're back in the hole again. So it's kind of like a roller coaster and you set your goals and you try to meet them, but once in a while you get surprised and you go down yeah. <laughs> or up or whatever. So we eventually will break even again. But a lot of people, when the you're up against a lot of great causes, and I hate to even think that you're competing, but you are. You're yeah. competing for actual dollars, charitable dollars in the community. And there's so many, so many tremendously good projects that, you know, I don't feel bad when I hear somebody does great at a campaign. And I know you felt that way at the United Way. You know, you would see one agency succeed one year and then the next year they're down in another one. But, you know, it's just that constant battle. And I hate to even call it a battle, I guess, challenge. I'll call it a challenge constant challenge to try to get charitable dollars in for such a good cause because see a lot of seniors will not ask they won't ask for things but you kind of have to talk them into taking things well yeah. I, you know i'm not a charity case or i'm not this or i'm not that but they if they see others like themselves benefiting from something like the legal aid that comes into the center, somebody will say, well, yeah, I use them. Well, maybe I can use them too. You know, so it, it's that uh, examples that help seniors decide that they're worthy of sharing something at, that's going on that's not going to cost them anything, just like our Medicare advisor advising them on what plans are out there and what would best meet their needs at the time. And we have, you know, so many things. We have social activity, but more than the social activity, what we realized during COVID was the isolation that needs to be fought. Yeah. Because that's such a big, big thing going on with senior depression, loneliness, isolation. Now we give Scott a hard time about being old enough to be at the senior center. That is something that you also changed when you came to the senior center. What is the age to be a member at the senior center now? My brother that you mentioned before, <laughs> Steve, <laughs> tells people, I go down there, but there's a lot of old people. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he doesn't mm -hmm. refer to himself being old. Yeah. But he's only one year younger than myself. So he <laughs> is more than qualified <laughs> to be a member. He has the threshold, she yes. says. <laughs> yes, more than meets a threshold. <laughs> and when, I, when I started, I thought, you know, I remember when I turned 50, you start getting these notices and membership requests from the AARP. Now, that's a national organization. Mm -hmm. And at 50, they are classifying you as being a senior. So I thought, well, why can't I just do that here at the center? So I went to the board of directors. I said, well, let's drop the age. What was the age before that? The age was, I believe it was 60. Yeah. So we dropped it down. Now, Livestream still classifies it at 60. Okay. But we classify 50 and older because AARP starts sending you a membership notice <laughs> at 50. 
And you were doing trips before COVID Mm -hmm. and taking seniors on trips and stuff like that. Am I right in hearing that there were some bourbon trail, wine trail (laughs) trips in the works? Oh, I suppose you might have been correct. (laughs) (laughs) Can we drop the age again? (laughs) (laughs) That was was a fun, fun trip. (laughs) And in fact... We didn't require just seniors on the bus trips. We had one senior member that brought her daughters and granddaughter, and the granddaughter was turning 21. (laughs) And so... Had her actually twenty first birthday on the trip, so oh we had gosh. a fun time. With her. <laughs> Definitely awesome. some memories. So yeah. if you think the senior center is just for old people, Steve, <laughs> yeah. you are wrong. Where we landed is supported today by Marion Design Co., a social design studio whose mission is to create sustainable design solutions to magnify the powerful stories behind organizations, businesses, and individuals. We believe good design should be accessible to everyone. Our clients include Marion Health, Mississinawa Schools, Princeton University, the City of Marion, and more. With a combined 46 years of professional design experience, collaboration is critical to our empathetic design solutions through graphic design, interior design, placemaking design, and design thinking. Whether it is branding, marketing, space planning, commercial or residential interior design, or strategic design thinking, Marion Design Co. will hold your story with care. Located in downtown Marion, Indiana, reach out at hello at mariondesign.co. Find us at www.mariondesign.co or on Instagram and Facebook. Um, I want to kind of circle back around. So I, I, I definitely track with you when you talk about, you know, nonprofit leadership and, you know, what those, what those numbers look like in the book and, um, you know, sometimes the up and the downs, um, as someone who's worked in philanthropy, because that's, that is what it is. It's philanthropy. It's definitely encouraging people to, you know, look at the importance of gifts and how that affects the community around you. What it, like, what changes do you feel like you've seen? Are people more giving now? Were they more giving 20 years ago? Do you know? Is it a lost art? I guess that's that's where well, I'm curious. Okay. Grant County ranks third, mm-hmm. third in the whole state of Indiana for giving. Yeah. So it thrives very well here okay. in Grant County. And you know, that's a huge, huge accomplishment Mm -hmm. and I know um, and they have done so for for many years back when I was still at the community foundation I used to beam when they would rank the counties because you had uh, Lily's goal was to set up a community foundation that served all 92 counties right if that took 92 took yeah. 92 i think there are 90 yeah. if i'm not mistaken some some serving multiple counties yeah and um that was their purpose for this whole gift program uh giving indiana funds for tomorrow that's what gifts stood for and um 
they wanted to build a strong endowment for the state of Indiana. And that's what's happened as a result of it. But Indiana, we, when we would go to like national conventions across the country, um, I remember the first one I went to, this is my first year, okay? I'm going in like two months after I start. And I'm just learning about philanthropy and about community foundations. And I have $30,000 in the bank. And we wouldn't have had that if it hadn't been for Gannett. Mm. Because Gannett gave us a gift of $30,000. So that was our main gift. And it was still all we had when I started. Went down to Indianapolis to this national convention. And I'm in the restroom. And... I'm hearing um, people talk about their assets and stuff, and they're talking, uh, well, how much, you know, what's your base? And they're going 60 and and all this. And and they asked me, me, and I said, 30. I knew they were talking millions, and I'm talking 30. <laughs> so I didn't have any qualms. I thought, I'm not going to tell them 30,000. I'm just going to say, because that's all they were doing. Yeah. Details, details. You know, they were throwing 150, you know, yeah. San Francisco and, you know, right. all these Seattle, all these big things are throwing these numbers out. And I know they're talking millions, and I'm talking thousands. But I thought, oh, well, I'll just say. 30 it's so, it's, well that's nice you know <laughs> but they all used to you could tell there was some envy there when we said we were from indiana because they would say oh you're one we're of those Lily. Yeah. you're one of those you yeah. know yeah. Yeah. yeah what's the biggest surprise that you've come across going from being a primary leader in funding to then be running an organization that you're the primary asking. On it. Yeah, you rely on the funding. Because I know at the Community Foundation, and Don and I talked about this when I worked at the United Way, you kind of straddle both worlds, right? You're a funder, but you're also asking. Mm-hmm. But what are the biggest surprises that you maybe thought as a funder you didn't think about that now as a an executive in an organization – it's not hard for me to ask. I've never had a problem. In fact, my friends and employees say I'm a big whiner and that I whine until I get a gift or a donation or something. But it's not really whining. It's actually selling. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. I'm selling the benefit that we do for the community. And, and they're not saying no to you. They're no. just saying no to the ask. Exactly. At this time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so I guess at times it's frustrating because I think sometimes people, givers, granters, um, funders, get focused on a purpose or um, they'll 
strategize and sometimes in strategies you leave some things out that maybe shouldn't be left out Mm. and like I always when I talk and ask different organizations and do a presentation seniors sometimes are put on the back burner because they're not thought of as an immediate need or something of really feel-good need. And feel-good needs, I tell people, are puppy dogs and children. Mm -hmm. And those, it's kind of hard to say no to. But it's easy to say no to seniors because they've already already had it all. They had a good life. They've had, you know, good employment and all of that. They've already had their chance, you know, and they forget about they still have this opportunity from retirement or where they are now to the end of life to give back to the community in knowledge and expertise and caring and not to forget about them. And sometimes it's hard to get that point across, especially with if a funder has already strategized, okay, we're going to make downtown Marion beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so our focus is, and I'm not picking on anybody doing this. I'm just using this as an example, you know, like this area downtown needs to be made prettier. So we're going to focus all of our funding for the next several years to get that accomplished. But they should always, in my opinion, keep part of their reserve set aside in funding for other things that are going on in the community that need to be supported on a regular basis to make us a whole community so that everybody is being included in whatever project's going on or whatever opportunity there is. Awesome. Okay, Liz, I feel like with Iris and Alicia and you, we could talk fundraising and nonprofit <laughs> and for, for hours and no one else would be listening. <laughs> Everyone else will have tuned out, but I feel like this table, we could chat about it forever. Yeah. I want to learn more about uh, you, your career growing up. I just think um, there's a lot to be learned, especially from women in business during the time when you were coming up. What, who were... Who were some of the mentors that you had during the time that you were you were in the business world in the the seventies and eighties? What was <laughs> you <laughs> what know, are you looking at me for? <laughs> we we asked we asked Steve this question too. And who did he say? I don't I, I think I think he had the same look that you just had on your face. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you. <laughs> when I entered the business world, oh, let's see. Well, you obviously said the Marcasellis, right? They they yeah, believed in you enough to say, "Come yeah. and run this for us." Right? They were they would be classified as as friends and mentors. Mm-hmm. And um, I was thinking back before that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was trying to give you a time to think and talk <laughs> and that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. well, when I was in college, I even worked at the bank in Twin City mm. State Bank in Gas City before okay. I started running my dad's bar. Okay. Uh, 
running my dad's bar is like taking a child and throwing them into a swimming pool to teach them how to swim. <laughs> yeah, you know? sink or swim. Yeah, yes, that was yeah, which is how I learned to swim, which yeah. is comical. I can't yeah. imagine as a twenty-one-year-old running oh running a bar. Green, green, yeah, I'm green, sure you green. get some stories. Oh yeah. yes. So yes. what are those? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why I know we were we had we used to have ham and beans on Monday. Okay, so my cousin, my cousin's husband came to help me open the bar because I didn't even know how to open it, <laughs> and they said make ham and beans, and you know I'm 21, I'm fresh out of college and never cooked beans in my life and <laughs> i thought how hard can it be i took this great big pot okay i thought well probably put some water in it i put about <laughs> half half of it filled full of water and i took this my dad had these big like 50 pound bags of dried soup beans uh-huh. you know reached in there with a couple pans to get out dumped it in the big pot you know threw the beans in there and i thought i just threw them in there (laughs) i went and got the ham out of the fridge and it had a big bone i know that daddy used to make soup bones in there there. so i just threw the ham and the bone in the pot and i turned it on yeah Yeah, that's how you make soup (laughs) make soup so i walk away and and my Cousin's husband showing me, you know, how, where the beer cooler is, where you go get the beer to put in the beer cooler, where the tap was for the, I mean, I, I knew nothing. <laughs> you know, I just, I wasn't really allowed in the bar <laughs> as a little girl, you mm-hmm. know, my dad still classified me a little girl. I wasn't, you know, <laughs> right. and, um. So legit emergency situation. You had to come back home and run it. So here you go. And here I go with the soup. All right. So about after about a half an hour, we happened to glance over towards the kitchen stove. <laughs> and foam was just coming oh, out gosh. of the top and beans were just rolling <laughs> off beans. the top. Of the- <laughs> it was the biggest mess you ever saw. Oh, gosh. So I learned real quick after that how to really make soup beans soak them overnight and the whole bit and no clue that was my first experience. your first day my first day making soup and you're like you know it's only got to go up from here <laughs> yeah and it did yeah. so so obviously then your cousin's husband was a mentor yes. how to do it. <laughs> so who were some of your other mentors yeah. and that was dick smith and i thank him a lot <laughs> <laughs> he did a tremendous job of my first bartending experience. So, and then um, over the years, there were a lot of lot of people that I looked up to, and I looked up as I got involved in business to the leadership at the chamber. They were just absolutely great, helping out and coming through. And I think they helped a lot of people back then. Not that they don't today, you mm-hmm. obviously do, and mm-hmm. everybody else, but um, I think they had, um, I don't know if you still have, you don't have that program now, that where they had retirees. 
score. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great, that was a great organization back then too, especially for new entrepreneurs that wanted to get advice from somebody that had experience in business. Mm -hmm. That was a great organization back then too. Yeah. So they're a national organization. I think their nearest chapter is Anderson these days, but yeah, they're a big help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I guess I, I'm more, I'm interested in, so how did you go from that, (laughs) that first day of, um, ham and bean soup, um, to, to owning or to, and running three taverns in Marion? I mean, I think if that happened to me on my first, (laughs) my first time in the tavern, I'd say this is not for me. Check it off the life list and go back to college. But how did you... Well, it was a situation I didn't have a choice. <laughs> when you're put in a situation. She's had to figure it out. Yeah, yep. it's like, you know, a learning process, a learning curve. And then um, I met my first husband and decided to continue in the bar business, obviously. And uh, we expanded, buying two more taverns and then departed and i kept folkies so yeah i was gonna ask that's when folkies came into the family right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah you want to talk about your family you were telling us some stories earlier um about the boys oh yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh they were good they're good brothers I've, i've been very fortunate you know just because when we were younger, they cut the fingers off my dolls doesn't mean anything. Oh, <laughs> Get back at me and took my 45 records and used them like flying saucers up against the garage. But, <laughs> and I hope they listen to this and remember that. But, yeah. <laughs> but overall, they were good. 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 And what so. about, do you have children? What was did? What was it like? Having, being a career woman during that time frame, what does that look like for you? Stepchildren, who I love as my own. Mm-hmm. And um, they, very supportive. Yeah? Yes. So. And what does, obviously coming in, being a mother figure to stepchildren, and then living that career woman life, you're not only had these multiple careers where it seems like you did a lot of coming in, building up and then passing on and then going on to something else, building that up and passing it on. Um, what does that, I'm, I'm always fascinated by, especially women. Um, what does that look like for you coming through that time frame? Like where did it come from that you had the gumption to say, yeah, I'll take that job as your second choice. If you pay me what you're paying him. Mm-hmm. In that case, what what did that look like for you? Did I guess I don't understand the question. It just well, the challenge. You mean? Yeah, like you. There were there were people that you looked up to, and for me, I look up to women like you and other leaders that we've had on this podcast and just in general that have created that space and fought some of those battles that I don't have to. Um, and I'm interested in what were those experiences like and where did you get the chutzpah or the gumption to say, sure, I'll come in and do yeah, that, but I'm you're going to pay challenge. me. Yeah. yeah. You know, 
Well, I had a lot of support from family too. And um, my second husband was super, super supportive of telling me that there wasn't anything I couldn't do if I wanted to do it. And um, I was in politics. I left that whole part out too. I was in politics for a while. I didn't get into the political arena part of my career, but I was the first female to be elected to the county council wow. here in Grant County. And uh, that's big. Yeah, right. That's like big. that's the type of stuff that I'm like, okay, so what was that like? Like you're a female business owner with the taverns and stuff like that. Now you're saying you were one of the first, you were the first female on that. So what? I was you, the second Rotarian. Madonna French was the first. Was the first. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was the second. We, it, in fact, we challenged each other, Madonna and I. She was a great mentor, too. She was a female mentor that was a great mentor, I'll tell you. And Madonna and I challenged each other which one we could get, which one of us could get on the rotary first. Because they didn't have any men yeah. or women. They yeah. had mm-hmm. all men. They didn't have any women. So I actually, she went for downtown rotary and i went for north and north wouldn't let me in the audacity (laughs) so so i backed up and came to downtown once she got her foot in the door and i became the second rotarian female (laughs) she became the first here and later years later they asked me to join north and I told him no. No, thank you. Right? <laughs> no, you didn't let me in before. I'm not I doing it now. Stay, stay in downtown. So. <laughs> like, you know what? Yeah. I have a choice, and yeah. this is my choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what caused you to decide to run for politics? Uh, my family, they thought it was a good idea. Why don't you do that, Liz? You know, <laughs> I feel like you're getting volunteered for a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead and try that. See what it's like. I said, okay. So. And was it? It was a challenge. Mm-hmm. It was a challenge. So, um, but I learned a lot. Yeah. It was fun. <laughs> it was fun while it lasted, you know. So, yeah. Well, some of the kind of like wrap up questions that we usually like to do. Um, well, I know we joked earlier, you said you read 300 books while you were semi retired. Um, what are you reading right now? Or do you have like a show that you like to watch? Or right now, mm-hmm. I found on my Roku channel this little icon that said Christmas time. (laughs) And I've watched all of these old Christmas movies that have been out for years. And I've just, that's what I'm watching now, Christmas movies. So I don't read near as much. Mm -hmm. uh, What were one of those books that stuck out to you? That you read that you oh, really enjoyed? Oh, lots of them. Um, or do you have a genre that you prefer to read? I usually like murder mysteries. Oh. I really like uh, John Grisham and yeah. that kind of thing. But um, I I can get into just about anything. Yeah. I was going to say, that's a, a great author because you know he has more books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's always like my, my, I'm like, oh, I just finished this book. What am I going to read next? Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's not a series. There's, there's always another right. John Grisham. Yeah, there's always another one. It's like me and Brad <laughs> Meltzer. Yeah. And James Patterson. And James yes. Patterson. He's yeah. another big one that has lots of them. Yep. Yeah. So. 
Well, Liz, it's been a pleasure to have you on today. Oh, it's been fun. Thanks for thanks for joining us. And if you are listening, uh, make sure you like and subscribe. And we will see you next week. Have a great day. See ya. Bye. Today's podcast was engineered by Kyra Montero of Frequency Canvas.